You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Balls, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here on today's show. I hope everybody is having a great week as we are getting closer to Tennessee and Arkansas on Saturday night. This is the Thursday episode, so two days to go before the game. On today's show, we're going to take a look at Tennessee's offense, which just has not been what it should have been, in my opinion at least, to this point in the season. There are a number of reasons. Quarterback would probably be number one, but what about what the offense is even trying to do? What about the performance of the offensive line? You will hear from Jeremy Pruitt in the first segment talking about Tennessee's offensive identity. What do they need to do to be successful? What about on third downs? What do they need to do to be better? That's coming up in segment number one. We'll get to the quarterback position as Jarrett Garantano continues to appear to be the guy in that number one spot. David Ubbin of The Athletic weighing in on why he continues to be the quarterback and what that says about the other quarterbacks behind him. Jeremy Pruitt with an update on Harrison Bailey as well. And then in segment number three, I'll talk some Tennessee basketball as we are at about 20 days until Tennessee will tip off the season. We have news of another game that appears to be on the schedule coming up in early December. This will be an exciting one. So I'll get to that in the third and final segment of today's show, Locked on Vols, which is here five days a week, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you for being here. Locked On Vols is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And if you look at rankings and different statistical categories all over the place for Tennessee on the offensive side, they don't come out looking so good. If you look at total offense in the SEC, Tennessee is 12th. If you look at passing offense in the SEC, Tennessee is 13th. If you look at rushing offense for the Vols, they are better, but still not good. They are 8th in the SEC. I saw this number from uh, SEC StatCat that was being shared. SEC offenses that average the most rush yards before contact. So you're creating a push, you're allowing room to run for your running backs. Tennessee ranks ninth in the SEC in average for most rush yards before contact. With an offensive line that was projected to be top two or three, top five for sure in the SEC with a couple of really talented running backs in Ty Chandler and Eric Gray. Tennessee ranking ninth in the conference is not good at all. And of course, there has been uh, the struggles at the quarterback position. We'll spend more time on that in segment number two. But if you can't have early down success, that could put you in a tough spot in third down positions. I think we've also come out of different games wondering, okay, what exactly is Tennessee trying to do on the offensive side. Jeremy Pruitt was asked on Wednesday during the SEC coaches teleconference, how would you describe what you want to be offensively in year two with Jim Chaney as the offensive coordinator? What's the identity on that side of the ball? Here's what Jeremy Pruitt said. To me, I think you've got to have balance. Um, if you want to, if you want to um, have a chance to win every game each Saturday, uh, you've got to, You've got to be able to run the football. Uh, you've got to be able to, to throw the ball. Um, you got to have quarterbacks that can make all the throws. You got to be able to execute at a high level. Um, to me, I, I think you've got to mix up tempo. Uh, you know, sometimes you you got to play fast, and and then sometimes you got to slow it down and and uh, you know protect your defense a little bit or protect a lead. So, um, you know, we've got to be a team that's explosive, uh, creating explosive plays, whether it's in the run game or the throw game. Um, 
and a team that scores touchdowns in the red area. So there's lots of ways that we need to improve, and we're we're not there yet. Um, so this will be a great opportunity for us to um, to kind of to improve from where we were at. I agree with that last part. Here's an opportunity to improve. Arkansas has been a nice story, but it's still not a very good team. And defensively, with Barry Odom, I think he's done a nice job. But this is not an Arkansas defense that ranks um, incredibly well in really any categories. Arkansas's total defense is 10th in the SEC. The rush defense for Arkansas is 12th in the league. Arkansas is allowing more than 4.5 yards per carry. Only two teams in the league are worse. That's Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. So this is a game if, you know, I talked about the the yards before contact stat and Tennessee's rush offense and the offensive line needing to be better. If they don't look better against Arkansas, then it may not happen this season. And again, my opinion is that it will look better. I think Tennessee is going to win this game, but it needs to be better on that side of the ball. And Tennessee needs to be more consistent. And then how about in this spot? Tennessee has to be better on third down conversions. Game number one was awful for Tennessee, and that's part of this. But Tennessee ranks last in the SEC in third down conversions. The team that's in front of Tennessee, actually 13th in the league, is Arkansas. So Tennessee's defense, we can talk about some improvements they need to make there. They should be able to get off the field or get Arkansas off the field uh, more quickly as well. But Tennessee is last in the SEC in third down conversions. With Jim Chaney coming back and a fifth-year senior at quarterback and the players they have up front on the offensive line, there was just no excuse for that to be the case, but it is. And during the teleconference, Jeremy Pruitt was asked about it. Jimmy Himes brought it up, the third down conversion issues. What's caused it? What does Tennessee need to do differently moving forward to be better extending drives? I think the first game of the year, we were like one for 11 or something like that. Um, and we won the football game. You know, um, we we need to be in manageable third downs. Um, I, it's it's much easier to to uh, convert a third and one to two than it is a third and nine to ten. So, uh, winning first and second down uh, is important. Probably the other thing that goes into there is creating explosive plays. You know, uh, when you start having to convert third downs over and over and over again um, you know you're probably odds are against you as far as putting long drives together so uh, there's a couple of things with that that we need to improve on and one other area I would add here is penalties Tennessee cannot have pre-snap penalties the way that they have a number of times on the offensive side they've had issues along the offensive line I think Brandon Kennedy has had multiple uh, snapping penalties and snap infractions. And you know that, those will just set you back. If it's second and seven, all of a sudden it's second and 12. If if you pick up five yards on first down, it's second and five, which is really manageable. All of a sudden it's second and 10. Well, you're behind again. Tennessee is 11th in the SEC in penalties. Uh, actually behind Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A&M. You could argue those are the three best teams in the conference. They're three of the best four, I think, to this point. Auburn's 10th. So the, the best teams in the conference have struggled with penalties. But Jeremy Pruitt's not going to—he's not going to look at Alabama and Georgia struggling and say, "Well, it's okay for us too." Tennessee doesn't have that level of talent. So if the Vols continue to struggle with mental mistakes and penalties, and if they have screw-ups, you know, one one very obvious key to this game will be which team screws up less. I think that is the case in every game. Coaches are going to tell you, "Hey, make them screw up, and then you take advantage of it." That will apply here. So, if if Tennessee can effectively run the football, if Tennessee can create play action opportunities, if Tennessee can hit some shots down the field and find easier ways 
to get the ball to Josh Palmer, Jalen Hyatt, Chandler, Eric Gray, Brandon Johnson. The weapons are there. I, I, I've said that this week. I'll say it again. Tennessee has players to make plays, and the quarterback position needs to get better. That's coming up next, but everybody needs to be better. The offensive line, protection for the quarterback, and the less mistakes Tennessee makes, the more success the Vols should have. But what about the quarterback position? Tennessee has continued to stick with Jared Garantano. Looks like the Vols will probably do that this upcoming week, but only if he plays clean football. If not, we'll probably see another backup quarterback. Why has Jarrett Garantano continued to own the trust of Tennessee's coaches? David Ubbin on that coming up next. And Jeremy Pruitt with an update on the freshman that's getting a lot of attention, Harrison Bailey. Next right here on Locked on Vols, which is here five days a week. And today it's presented by Coors Light. This might feel like a long week. It's understandable if it does. When you get home from work, when you get done with, maybe you're working from home still, but uh, the workday's concluded. You want to sit back, you want to relax. How about doing that with an ice cold Coors Light. Coors Light, which of course comes from Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado, is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. And how nice does that sound right now? Thinking about football coming up tonight, football this weekend, of course, when Tennessee's playing. Whatever game you're watching, whatever reason you're sitting back, you're trying to unwind, you're trying to relax, you can relax with an ice cold Coors Light. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. So you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. You can get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Yeah, and part of what I'm talking about here is being on the go. Well, if you need something when you're on the go to help you, how about BuiltGo? BuiltGo.com is the website, and I've enjoyed the BuiltGo's. I've worked them into my days, especially that get really long. I need an afternoon pick-me-up. It's perfect if you're trying to break through the mental or the physical wall to help you get going every day. And BuiltGo comes in easy-to-take one-and-a-half-ounce packages. You put it in your bag, and you're on the go. BuiltGo is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. Comes with a kick of caffeine to help you get better results. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, which is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach, and Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite your work, like beta-alanine, B3 honey, and that caffeine that I mentioned. And collagen promotes joint soft tissue hair, and skin health. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. And as we keep things going here on today's show with the focus on Tennessee's offense and how the Vols need to improve, there is, of course, the subject of Tennessee's quarterback position. As much as fans, not all fans, but Plenty of fans keep asking, wait a minute, why is Jarrett Garantano still the starting quarterback? And hasn't Jeremy Pruitt seen enough? Well, at times maybe he has, like the Kentucky game. Tennessee made a change but went to JT Shroud, and that didn't work out. I thought that we would probably see Brian Maurer a little bit more. Nick Saban talked about seeing Brian Maurer more in the Alabama game. But I think with the way things were going, Tennessee said, now what's the point? Because I, I know that Maurer has the athletic ability and has shown that he can make plays. I don't think they would have called things much differently with Maurer, and they would have had less trust with him pre-snap than they have with Garantano. So they stuck with Jarrett. And I think that's what it's largely about. I think despite some of his issues, and really they come in bunches, it's not like Garantano is turning the ball over a bunch all the time. It's just when he does, man, it can really be costly, especially in the Kentucky game. Remember the first two games, he didn't turn it over, and that was a big talking point coming out of it, that Jarrett was taking care of the ball. 
Didn't happen in the second half against Georgia. Didn't happen in the first half against Kentucky. And that hurt Tennessee. He took care of the ball against Alabama. If he does, then I think Tennessee should have success offensively against Arkansas. And I would guess that he will remain the quarterback. But you've also, if you've listened to the show or even here in this segment, you've heard me share my opinion on why Tennessee's coaches continue to stick with Jarrett Garantano. David Ubbin had similar thoughts when he joined us on Sports 180 on Wednesday. David Ubbin covers Tennessee for TheAthletic.com. And he said this, talking about Tennessee's quarterback position and where things are with Jarrett, what the conversation has been for quite some time now. I mean, I think it's up to Garantano. You know, the, the staff, I don't think, has plans to play multiple quarterbacks. It doesn't seem like they have much interest or much conversation in doing that. But when Garantano's throwing picks and, and doing the exact thing that they try to prevent, which is, you know, committing turnovers, then they, he doesn't give them a choice. They have to do what they have to do. So if he plays well and, you know, even if he's missing a couple throws, if he's not turning the ball over, I don't think you're going to see another guy. But if he's turning it over, you start to look over at the sideline, you know, Maurer or Bailey, I, I think they probably are pretty curious at what Bailey can offer them. They kind of know what Maurer can do. Um, so uh, we'll see. I don't think there's a lot of separation, you know, at two, three, four with those quarterbacks. I think there's quite a bit of separation at one, but, you know, that he hadn't played very well this year. So it's up to him. You know, there's no – I don't think there's a plan in place to say we want to get so-and-so uh, a, a, a series in there. Uh, I'd be very surprised if we saw that happen, you know, outside of uh, Garantano – struggling with turnovers again so you know do we see another quarterback I mean every time he throws a pick or has a fumble that's that's his fault you know I I think uh, there's going to be some some decisions on the sideline but right now you know that that situation is I think it's up to Garantano I mean his play is going to decide it David how many times would you venture to guess over the last year to maybe two years uh, you've said what you just said there like th- this ongoing conversation of Jared and the quarterback position and the guys behind him and it's over and over again right yeah I mean it is what it is I think it's it's not the yeah. most interesting answer but that's kind of what the situation is like Garantano has been the best guy in practice by a long shot and the way that they operate this program is the best guys in practice play and that's how most programs operate and I think you know I, I Tennessee fans, when that conversation comes up, everybody wants to yell about Josh Dobbs. Oh, Josh Dobbs, he strolled in practice, but he was, like, one of the best quarterbacks. That's the exception to the rule. It just is. Like, I know that that's a very, you know, prominent guy in Tennessee, and I know that fans are very familiar with that and very familiar with how they go. But that's almost never how it goes. And so I get that, you know, fans are frustrated, and I get that Garantano hasn't been what they want to be. But the idea that – you know, you throw a flyer on a guy that hadn't done much in practice because he's young and you haven't seen him. You know, people always say, what do you have to lose? You, you have the locker room to lose, which is more important than a game. If you start breaking what you've said you're going to do and your philosophy is the best guys in practice play, give us all your all in practice and you can play. And Garantano has the trust of his teammates. His teammates love him. He does what everything you'd ask a quarterback to do. It's not his fault he hadn't played very well. It is what it is. It's not for anything, you know, he's not, it's not that he's not putting the work in or he's not doing this or that. He just isn't playing very well. So if you start changing the entire structure of how you operate your program, well, the next time you say that gets the best guy in practice plays, they might not say it out loud, but the back of their mind is saying, well, maybe, but I remember that one time. And so I, I sympathize with where Jeremy Pruitt is at right now because it's a tough spot. I get the fans that say, well, it's not working. It's not working. And if he makes, you know, if he's turning the ball over in games, then yeah, you, you got to see what you can do and, and look another direction. But the idea that you're going to just cast him off and play a guy that hadn't done much in practice or a guy that has, you know, barely played with the ones, 
it just it doesn't really jive with how programs really operate. And so I get the frustration. Jeremy Pruitt is not, uh, you know, ignorant of what's happening and, and where the fans stand on Tarantino, but you can't change the whole structure of your program for one guy. And, you know, maybe you, you, you give him a little bit more time or maybe that, that leash is a little bit quick. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is, I guess. And perhaps that's part of the frustration, too, for Tennessee fans, that it continues to be what it is with Jared as the quarterback. But uh, that continues to me to be on the coaching staff that they haven't been able to develop quarterbacks behind him or even get better play out of Jarrett. I mean, they're partly responsible for that too, right? Chris Winkie is the quarterback's coach and Jim Chaney is the offensive coordinator. I think it's pretty clear the results have not been good enough to this point. With all the, st- the stats that I laid out earlier, how could you argue otherwise, either with the quarterback position or just the offense overall? But the fact that I can bring up Tennessee's passing offense and it's next to last in the SEC ahead of only Kentucky, which has had obvious issues. Tennessee's behind Vanderbilt in passing offense in the SEC. It's just, it's been really rough. And uh, maybe at some point we see a different quarterback. I said on Wednesday's show that I would at least be trying to work Brian Maurer into the offense to see if he can change things up for you with his athletic ability and, and still the ability to throw the football. But something needs to change, whether it's the performance of the offense with Jared at quarterback or the quarterback position itself. And another question has been, why not Harrison Bailey? He's the talented freshman. Why not give him a chance to play? Why not put him out there? And I would say if if he's going to go out there and struggle, that's not good for anybody. That's not good for the offense like David was talking about. If if players see that Harrison's not ready and then you play him and then you struggle, well, you're going to lose a lot of trust from the players. But here is an update that Jeremy Pruitt provided on the teleconference on Wednesday when he was asked about the status of Harrison Bailey, what Tennessee has seen from him recently. It's been good to get Harrison uh, reps, you know, uh, and he continues to to progress just like anybody would. He's getting more practice time. Uh, and you have to do something a lot of times uh, before you get good at it. And uh, the more Harrison's a guy that's very conscientious, he's smart, uh, he works hard, uh, and, and he continues to improve uh, every day that he goes out there. What does that mean for the rest of this season with Harrison Bailey or his future? Time will tell. But this Saturday, at least to start things out, expect Jarrett Garantano. I don't know that anybody knows what to expect after that. We'll come back here for the final segment. There is a big basketball game that you can look forward to with the Vols coming up in early December. I'll tell you about that. You'll hear from Rick Barnes in the final segment of Locked on Vols, available anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, your smart speaker as well. You can tell it to play podcasts, Locked on V-O-L-S. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
So in the first two segments, I probably frustrated you a little bit with some of the numbers and some of the issues I brought up with Tennessee on the offensive side, which I will say again, I think Tennessee can still fix and Tennessee should be better in a number of areas on both sides of the ball against Arkansas on Saturday. And we'll find out on Saturday night if that's the case. Here's something to get excited about. On Wednesday afternoon, we saw John Rothstein of CBS Sports report that Tennessee is going to play Gonzaga in a Jimmy V classic matchup that was already being planned. And of course, things have changed because of what's going on in 2020. Uh, But it looks like December 2nd, Tennessee will be playing Gonzaga in Indianapolis. So you'll get a neutral court game. And we knew that Tennessee was still hoping to play Gonzaga. There was talk of maybe just going to one of the team's home courts. But according to John Rothstein, in the first week of December, Tennessee is planning to play Gonzaga as the Vols are less than three weeks away from starting up. November 25th will be the start of the season. According to Rick Barnes, he provided that information earlier this week. So the full schedule is not out, but it looks like the wheels are in motion and Tennessee is getting some work done to get ready for this upcoming season. And assuming the Big 12 SEC Challenge does still go on, you have a game against Kansas that is scheduled at the end of January. A game against Gonzaga would be a lot of fun. Blue Ribbon has Gonzaga as the number one team in the country. So there's a chance that Tennessee, it could be a matchup of top five or or certainly top ten teams in the country, and Tennessee might be playing number one Gonzaga. Remember they faced Gonzaga a few years ago when the Zags were number one, and Tennessee pulled off that win. Admiral Schofield went nuts, I think scored 30 points in that game. Tennessee got a, a win that ended up helping Tennessee later on in the season become the number one team in the country for several weeks. So that's one to look forward to, no doubt. Tennessee basketball against Gonzaga, a matchup of projected top five to top ten teams in the nation. And I'll continue to say having Rick Barnes should help Tennessee in trying to get this schedule put together. As for the team itself, uh, earlier this week, Rick Barnes, when he was talking to the Knoxville Quarterback Club, was talking about the transfer players stepping up and Victor Bailey, who we've heard a lot about, looking really good. His teammates have said, hey, this guy, he's really going to help us. And I think it was Josiah Jordan James that described Bailey as the best kept secret in college basketball. And then EJ Anasicki is a player that I've been high on because I think he just fits in with what Tennessee needs. His work ethic, his ability to rebound the basketball, those are things that Tennessee, one, requires, I would say, with the work ethic and the, the cultural part, but also they lacked enough help around the glass. Anasiki can provide that. He can score. He's played a lot. And uh, I, th- I think a smart player out there on the floor. So that's a really good sign for Tennessee. Something else that should help is the number of players that can handle the basketball. Bailey can help in that area. James coming back, Vescovi. And then Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer are players that I think Tennessee will be comfortable with kind of running the offense or making plays with the ball in their hands. And Jimmy Himes asked Rick Barnes that question recently during a a press conference, a conference via Zoom with the media. Can Tennessee really benefit, especially with this year and the unknowns and the the practice issues that teams might face? Is it an advantage almost for Tennessee to have a number of players who can run the point for Tennessee's offense? Yes, absolutely, because, of again, of what – could happen. Uh, we we feel like, and, that, and we know how important that is. That position is on the court for us. But that, like I said earlier, we we're even doing some things with our. That's where it's been good to have a guy like John Fulkerson around. that's been with us. He understands. He understands the point position. Not that he would actually play the point, but he can orchestrate a lot from what he, from where he is. A lot like what Grant Williams actually did back in the day to help Jordan Bone through it. Uh, we think Folky can do a lot of that, uh, and he has done a lot of that to help these young guys. And that that's a, another area that we've 
thinking about what you're saying that we want to be prepared for, but the fact that we do have more depth at that spot than we've had, maybe, shoot, I, it's been a long time since we've had four or five guys that can play that spot. Obviously, some are a little bit further along than others, but they're all, they're all going to get there. There are so many reasons to be excited about what Tennessee basketball could be this upcoming season. The backcourt has several of those reasons. So that's Rick Barnes talking about the point guard position and the guard rotation they could have this upcoming season, which is now less than three weeks away from tipping off. And a schedule hopefully will be coming out soon. That's that's probably been a lot of work and has provided a lot of headaches, not only for Tennessee, but everybody. Smaller schools, I feel for, with what they're trying to get done to put a schedule together for this upcoming college basketball season. Tennessee, it, it, while there are challenges for sure, there are also advantages to be in that position. So again, just a, a few weeks to go from Tennessee basketball and only a couple days to go until Tennessee will play Arkansas. So tomorrow's show will be a preview of the game coming up on Saturday, what Tennessee will need to get done. You'll hear more from Jeremy Pruitt talking about the game coming up this weekend. You'll hear from Trey Smith on tomorrow's show. And Jeremy Pruitt, after Wednesday's practice, seemed pretty upbeat with how his team had performed in practice, talking about the defensive side as well. So uh, a full preview coming up on tomorrow's show, Friday's edition of Locked on Vols. They got through some COVID scares earlier in the week. There were some false positives, according to Jeremy Pruitt, and everything appears to be good to go. Knock on wood, of course, anytime I say that. Thank you for being here on today's show. Thanks to everybody who has spread the word. Keep telling other Tennessee fans, hey, check out Locked on Vols. It's a daily show, 25 to 30 minutes, covering what's going on with Tennessee. Thanks, though, for being here. I'll see you again tomorrow on Locked on Vols, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Thank you.